Welcome back to the Series 2, Episode 71 of the Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host, Matthew Roberts, and today we're going to continue with our Come Follow Me study uh, in our bite-sized episode of 10 minutes or so. Uh, in March the 9th to March the 15th, Jacob 1-4, Be Reconciled Unto God Through the Atonement of Christ. And we're looking today at the section called The Lord Delights in Chastity, Jacob chapter 2, verses 23, through to chapter 3, verse 12. Now, this is <clears throat> where Jacob gets really heavy uh, and he just completely blows out, you know, into the open what the main issue is with this people, that um, they are being sexually immoral. Now, uh, today, because of the order of what he says, we're going to be focusing a lot on what he says about how the Nephites uh, seem to have begun a practice of having a plural, plural, plurality basically multiple wives uh, and, and just obviously how interesting this is when we consider the the early uh, restoration of the gospel on the earth in the latter days so in jacob chapter 2 verse 23 it says but the word of god burdens me because of your grosser crimes for behold the slave of the lord this people begin to wax in iniquity they begin not to un the, they understand not the scriptures for they seek in to excuse themselves in committing whoredoms because of the things which were written concerning david and solomon his son now um obviously this is what he is guess has been leading up to but what's interesting uh, is how the sin that he's speaking about now is linked very much to the sin that he just mentioned previously which when i looked i realized that we're not really going to be looking at all in the individual study so i'm going to relate to it today as well um john w welch said i recently read quote i recently read in an article in the deseret news about a study done in holland it showed there was a direct correlation between power and promiscuity typically the more power an individual has of any kind whether it be corporate political or economic and the more that individual ascends into the higher ranks of power the more likely he or she is to be involved in some form of sexual infidelity power tends to get to people's heads and when they get power, they think they are immune or can get away with things that are risky. Many of us could probably name celebrities or social elites who fit this pattern. Um, in and then he goes on to say, In every case of divorce that I personally know, the divorce was preceded by some other issue, such as seeking wealth or worldly acclaim. It may start with smaller things and then you get to the bigger stuff. Because all of a sudden, the spouse and the children you can seem like a detriment to your getting ahead or putting yourself first. One of the reasons Jacob spoke in the temple where everyone was present was so everyone would be on guard and help each other in strengthening family relations, close quote. Uh, so obviously, in order to consider that, we need to jump back a few verses to verse 18, where Jacob says, but before ye seek for riches, seek ye for the kingdom of God. Uh, the Book of Mormon Central did a know why number 518 called Why Does the Book of Mormon Warn Against Riches? Because, of course, what we're not what is not being said here is that riches in themselves are evil <clears throat> however um it's what we are is how we gain them and what we do with them that can lead to problems uh, within this know why it says quote determining whether accumulating riches is good or bad depends on why they are being sought and how they are used using wealth to clothe the naked and to feed the hungry and to liberate the captive and administer relief to the sick and the afflicted is good and noble before the eyes of God. In contrast, flaunting wealth in the pride of your hearts, wearing stiff necks and high heads because of the costliness of your apparel and persecuting your brethren and sisters because ye suppose ye are better than they because of your wealth is sinful and immoral. 
<coughs> it goes on later to say, <coughs> quote, in another memorable instance, Jesus taught his disciples with deliberate hyperbole. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. The context of this saying was a rich young man, identified in Luke's gospel as a ruler, who was remorseful to sell his riches and follow Jesus, for he had great possessions. This context suggests Jesus' hyperbole was in response to the unwillingness of the rich young man to put serving God and those in need before his own monetary desires. Close quote. So <clears throat> it's something which we're probably very clear on, but um, that it's not the riches themselves that are, you know, the source of all evil or pride. It is the pride behind the money. It is the, the way we get it and what we decide to do with it that really has a reflection on our standing. And again, it's not because it's evil, but it's it's because it's what we sh where we put our heart. Is it that we put our heart in the Lord and, and our fellow men, or is it that we put our heart into this material gain? So going back to uh, Jacob's discourse on sexual uh, immorality, in verse 24, it, he carries on and says, Behold, David and Solomon truly had many wives and concubines, which thing was abominable, abominable before me, saith the Lord. Now, this is where we get into an interesting discussion. <clears throat> so, De so Franklin D. Richards and James A. Little, who were the authors of a Book of Mormon commentary, uh, said this, Quote, had plurality of wives been sinful in man, the inference is reasonable that it would have been equally condemned. Although plural marriage was the custom was customary in the days of the patriarchs, some assert that it was done in a way in Christ. This would seem very inconsistent when he himself was of a polygamous lineage. He was born and filled his earthly mission among a polygamous people, yet he never reproved them for their plural marriages. There was nothing in the inspired writings to infer that he reproved or did away with either polygamy or monogamy. Um, and then further, uh, we, we learn that polygamy was actually practiced both in ancient Israel and pre-Columbian America. So polygamy was going on. But Jacob um, and the Last-day Prophets that we have today affirm that monogamy has always been the standard unless the Lord's stand, unless the Lord specifically commands otherwise. So obviously we see here in verse 27 of J Jacob 2 that Jacob says, Wherefore, my brethren, hear me and hearken to the word of the Lord. Now what's interesting here is that he puts, there's a colon there, which suggests that this right now, what's going to be said is from the Lord himself. For there shall not any man among you have, have save it be one wife and concubines, he shall have none. But then in verse 30, there's an interesting kind of caveat put at the end of these words. Jacob says, For if I will, saith the Lord, raise up a seed unto me, I will command my people. Otherwise, they shall hearken unto these things. So this suggests that whilst at this stage of the Nephite's uh, time, uh, Jacob from the Lord was being given a word to, you know, kind of... Um, go against any sort of polygam polygamous practice, it suggests that there is times where the Lord may require it to raise up a seed unto him. Now, this is interesting because uh, George Q. Cannon uh, said this uh, in 1869, which many of you will recognize is a period of time where the, the early saints of, the, of this church were practicing polygamy. Um, he actually talked about how that... The authorities of the day, um, 
and the, and the government were trying to persecute the saints for the fact that they were practicing plural marriage. He, he first of all pointed out the fact that there were other sins going around that they, they didn't seem to have an issue with, but plural marriage they seemed to uh, have a huge issue with. And that they they would then turn they turn to the Bible to kind of disprove or kind of put this into further condemnation, but could not find any. And therefore, the, the people used the Book of Mormon. They used the verses from Jacob to say, look, this is what the, you say the Lord has said, so we're going to persecute you for this. George Q. Cannon said this, quote, Yes, uh, yet this attempt, whenever made, cannot be sustained. For Brother Pratt clearly showed to you in his remarks the other day that instead of the Book of Mormon being opposed to this principle, it contains an express provision for the revelation of a principle to us as a people at some future time. Namely, that when the Lord should desire to raise up unto himself a righteous seed, he would command his people to that effect, plainly setting forth a time that would come when he would command his people to do so. For me, this uh, practice of polygamy, there's two questions that I have, which if anyone could answer, that'd be great. But, you know, if if it can't, then it suggests to me that the, this, the polygamy at the early stage of the uh, Latter-day Saints uh, kind of uh, church was called of God. First of all, you know, one argument that people have, as um, George Q. Cannon points out there, is that if Joseph Smith authored or wrote rather than translated the Book of Mormon, why would he write a section clearly denouncing the practice of, practice of polygamy, where such practice isn't even mentioned uh, anywhere to be uh, disregarded or condemned in the Bible, and then bring it in, you know, literally a few a number of years a few years later in himself obviously that would be a foolish thing for to, to do for a false prophet but yet he was commanded of the lord the book of mormon clearly sets that provision forward to raise up seed and that is what uh, the lord required at that time it was then of course later revealed to the first presidency of the church in later in later years that that practice was no longer required also for me uh, there is also an important uh, point about context. We know at this stage, when Jacob is speaking to the people, that Nephi has died. Jacob, whilst he is younger than Nephi, won't be decades younger than Nephi. So he himself is getting, you know, into his 50s, probably around that time, at least. And uh, so he is getting toward the end of his years. But when you think about it, the, the group of Nephites that were there would still be a heavily family-based group. There will obviously be a different a different faction under the lineage of Zoram, uh, but at this stage they are still very much a, a close group of you know let's say around sixty or so. Now there is evidence to suggest that there were others that joined them. First of all, in the fact that there was whoredoms and concubines and so on. Um, so obviously these Nephites were gaining wealth and power, and they were bringing in other uh, people. And there are other instances where this is uh, suggested as well, which I can't go into at this stage. But um, the Nephites at this time will have been mainly a family group. And so to suggest that um, they should have multiple wives within a family group would obviously bring in other issues and concerns uh, for, for those that believe in the Lord, their God, and, and moral acts. So to me, obviously, this, this makes sense that they would be told not at this stage, you know, they are meant to be practicing polygamy, that the Lord's standard is monogamy, and that's his law of marriage. Uh, however, there may be times where the Lord does command a people to raise up a seed, such as with the early saints. 
so they could so they could become initially well established and then no longer require that law. So anyway, um, you know, that's a, an interesting dive into that. And of course, now we're up to nearly 12 minutes, so I better end that there. But we'll focus more tomorrow on the how the Lord delights in chastity and the blessings of, chase, of being chaste and chastity, the more positive side of that. Uh, but I hope you've enjoyed the study and that you've been able to get something from this. Uh, I hope that uh, you'll share anything you've studied at Matt S. Roberts 90 on Twitter or email ldsstudysession at gmail.com. And of course, you can uh, join the Facebook group Come, uh, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. And we'd love to have more people join us and, and share their studies. Thanks for all that you uh, listened. Thanks for all, you've, all of you for listening. And until we meet again.